Welcome back to Felicity Was Here. I'm Heather. I'm Melissa. And I'm Dr. Joe. And today we are discussing Felicity Season 1, Episode 8, Drawing the Line, Part 2. At the top of today's episode, we want to give a content warning as we will be discussing sexual assault. So if that's something that could be triggering for you, you might want to rejoin us next week. Hello, ladies. Hi. Hi. I feel like it's been a while. I know we... We it has been. release an ep- <laughs> we release an episode every week, but a little behind the scenes, we try and do this um, a little bit more in advance. But uh, we've all been kind of doing different travels and things this fall. How has everyone's trips been? Mine was amazing. Do tell I went us. To Vegas, baby. <laughs> well, I went and saw the U two concert, and I was so so close. I was just like two people away from the rail. It was amazing, and I stared at the edge the entire time, and I loved it. I've never been happier in my life. And how did you get such amazing right. seats? Oh, let me tell you, I, I went and strolled up at approximately 4.30 a.m. that morning of the show, and I laid on the sidewalk and stayed there all night until about 8 in the morning to do the whole process. And then I went home, took a power nap, and got back out there because we had to be back there by 5 to line up and get called in, and that's how it happened. I mean, it looked like you could see Bono's sweat. You were so close. Yeah, that's what I was I was telling people. Like I could see the edges eye eyelids, like his um his wrinkles in his face, like because he had his eyes closed while he was playing. It was incredible. Like I could see <laughs> fine details. Yes. Yes. I was that close. Amazing. It's so funny at the end of this episode, there was a song, um, I think it's during Sally's tape back to Felicity, but it almost sounded like a cover of U2's song one. And I was like struggling to listen. I'm like, is this a cover? And then eventually I think at the chorus it diverged a little bit. But I was like, it almost sounded like like one for a minute. So I I thought that was a nice tie-in to the episode. They played that. It was amazing. Oh, such a good song. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm wearing my hoodie that I bought. (laughs) Nobody gives you it, but I'll show you guys. Wearing my hoodie on the show. Very nice. Melissa, Melissa, how are your trips? I Um, think you went to... Michigan, Minnesota? No, I went to Minnesota. I went up to the Boundary Waters to go hiking and canoeing with a friend of mine. Um, it was gorgeous up there. It was right, kind of like right after the peak when the leaves changed up there. So beautiful scenery, no bugs, beautiful colors. So Perfect. it was the first time I actually took a vacation since my daughter was born, really just me and a friend. So wow. that was really, really needed. Wow. No baby (laughs) on the trip, huh? No baby. No baby canoeing. That would have been too much. (laughs) Tell us about your trip, Heather. I know you went to Scotland recently. The most exciting one out of the three. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I went to Scotland. It was the first time that I've been there and it was absolutely gorgeous. Kind of the same vibes, gorgeous leaves, changing different colors. Definitely had a bit more rain than I was hoping for. I think there was like a bomb cyclone or something going through (laughs) England and and Scotland. But yeah, it it was gorgeous and did a lot of spooky season stuff. So yeah, it was a fun, fun little trip. But I'm excited to be back with y'all. I'm so excited to talk to you guys again. So it's been so long. Yeah, it feels like it's been a very long time. And the last episode, we ended on a bit of a cliffhanger. This is the first time we've had a part one and part two on Felicity. There will be a couple more, I think, throughout the series. But last week, for those of you who maybe have also had a few weeks in between watching episodes, last week, Noel decided, at the advice of his fellow RAs, to draw a line with Felicity and tell her that he doesn't want to talk about Ben with her anymore. And she did not take that very well. 
Felicity also helped Blair find a scholarship for Elena so that she could stay at the university after having some tuition issues. And then, of course, uh, at the end there in the, the main plot line for this episode, pink guy Zach had asked Julie to write music for his film. But after a night out with him, it turned traumatic for her. And that's where we left off. And, and this week we're picking right back up. So, you know, I think this is maybe our last heavy episode for a bit. I think the next few episodes, <laughs> at least in my opinion, get a little bit lighter and there's a lot more comic relief. So I feel like the last few episodes have been pretty heavy. But again, we're going to try and handle everything with care today. And hopefully we can all get through it together. So on this week's episode, we, as I said, pick up right where we left off last week with Julie telling Felicity that Zach forced himself on her. So we open again with Noel this week, and he's talking to Guy in the cafeteria. And this character, Guy, he'll he'll come back for a few more episodes this season. But I think in a future episode, Elena calls him Guy. And I thought she was just calling him like some guy, like, hey, Guy, like, hey, dude. And his hey, actual dude. his actual <laughs> name is Guy. <laughs> it took me many, many rewatches to figure out like that's his actual name. So Noel is talking to Guy in the cafeteria, saying that he's going to grow a goatee and noel i disapprove sorry buddy but felicity comes up to their table and sits down and says that she needs to talk to noel about something very serious so guy gets up and leaves so that they can have some time together and talk and felicity is very very serious she says something pretty horrible has happened and she looks like she's pretty much on the verge of tears and she's like, Noel, you can't tell anyone. And he's like, okay, you're freaking me out. Just tell me what's going on. And she's like, well, it's about Julie. And she says, Zach raped her. And she just doesn't know if Julie's okay. And she doesn't know if Julie's going to report it. And she figures as an RA, Noel must be trained to deal with sort of this sort of thing. So that's why she's coming to him for advice. And Noel's pretty much shocked. And he says that 95% of all rape victims don't report the crime and that his handbook has all of these types of stats and there's a protocol. But he's like, honestly, I just I don't even remember what the protocol is at this moment. And so Felicity says that she wants to borrow that book because she just really doesn't know what to do to help Julie. And in this scene, I think it gets a little bit after school special with all the statistics in the episode. However, I do think that they made it genuine to the characters. Like Felicity, for sure, is a Badinsky. Like she's going to want to get in there and figure out, like, what can I do? I need to help. What, you know, how can I help Julie? And I think Noel, as the RA, like he he brought out the his handbook during the cheating scandal. Like this is something he's done before, too. I could totally see him recalling his training as an RA, but then being like, oh my God, in real life, how do I put this into practice? I don't even know this is a totally different thing. But, you know, for, for both of you, I'd love to hear kind of what you think of their reactions in this moment. I think, of course, she would go to Noel right away just because, you know, he's been the, the main source of advice for her, but also he is the RA, so he must know how to deal with this. I don't know. I guess, I guess if it were me, I would probably go right away to all the other RAs like and get advice from them that little RA group but yeah I would be that's the first time he's ever had to deal with something like this and yeah I guess his reaction was normal yeah I'd agree with that I think Felicity sharing I think part of it not just because she doesn't know how to help but for her own self that's a really heavy secret to carry and hold and hold that space for somebody else all by yourself 
I know as a professional, I have to hear some pretty yucky stuff sometimes, and I really don't have any outlets, you know, anywhere to go with that. So I get that urge that you'd want to you'd want to share that and kind of lighten that that personal burden of hearing that and not knowing what to do to help somebody. So I think that was a really natural reaction that she'd want to reach out to somebody and share that load with somebody else, especially somebody like Noel that does have some handbooks <laughs> handy. And we could get into this a bit more later in the episode as all of this unfolds, but also, I mean, how do you both feel she has, like, it's it's not Felicity's experience. It's not her story to tell. Like, did she really break Julie's trust in this moment? I can kind of see it both ways. Like, on the one hand, if I were in Julie's position, I might be like, well, that's not your business to tell anyone. Like, I had confidence Absolutely. with you. But then from Felicity's perspective, I could see where, like you said, she's also got this secret and burden now put on her and she wants to help and sees Noel as a trusted advisor, as an RA. So, I mean, do you both think that Felicity overstepped her her boundaries here? I think maybe she could have asked him if I needed to talk about something serious that was too private to share with you, where would I go? And then maybe he could have just said, oh, go to health services. And left it at that. I think maybe that would have been a little bit more protective of Julie's privacy and still accomplish getting the resource. Yeah, I think if um, he hadn't have been the RA and it was just just as a friend going to him, that would have been okay. But she should have maybe thought ahead, like he'll probably have to legally do something with this information as, as his position as an RA. Like she didn't really think about that side of it. So yeah. Yeah, he's got some level of responsibility as an RA that just regular students don't that's true yeah he probably could get in trouble if he did know about something like this and didn't report it or go to whoever their higher-ups are so then felicity tells sally that it's just crazy that just a few months ago she didn't even know julie and that it's hard to believe how much you could care about someone so quickly which i think is very very true about college like you meet these people and you're kind of in a pressure cooker and i feel like time goes so quickly and you do bond with these people just being independent for once in your life. I mean, maybe others have had more independent experiences, but for most people, it's like you're living on your own for the first time. And so you're all like living your friends together, you're learning together. And I just thought that that was a really nice resonant thing for Felicity to say to mm -hmm. Sally. Then we see that Julie is packing up her sheets when Felicity comes by her room to pick her up. And we find out that they're going to get Julie checked out at the hospital. And Julie kind of, in passing, as kind of a joke, but she's not really laughing, says, who do you think will play me in the movie? And she's like, sorry, it's just, you know, that she feels silly going to the hospital because honestly, she's fine. And that's, you know, the magic word on this show. Whenever someone says mm -hmm. they're fine, they're really not. And Felicity, which I do appreciate, is kind of gently encouraging her in this moment and says, yeah, but, you know, it's just a good thing to go get checked out. Like, even though she's a Badinsky in many <laughs> in many situations, like self self-professed Badinsky, I do appreciate that she's like gently encouraging her right now. Like she's not shaming her or bullying her to do it. It's just like, yeah, but it's just, you know, it's a good idea to get checked out. Yeah, I think she was treading very lightly and very kindly in this scene. She wasn't trying to be too pushy she was just you know supporting her friend for now <laughs> for now she's she can't help being her felicity self a little bit later yeah as always then at the hospital julie is in with the doctor in the exam room and goes to basically tell her everything that's happened with zach and get checked out 
I'm not going to describe everything in detail here because it's definitely uncomfortable to talk about, but she does explain that, you know, she was out with this guy named Zach. They've kissed a couple of times, but that's it. Like, they're not, she didn't say they were boyfriend, girlfriend, which I thought was interesting. Right. You know, wasn't a friend, but not a boyfriend. Like, we've kissed a couple of times, that's it. Like, so I thought that was an interesting answer. Too. Not that it not that it matters in this scenario, like what he did was wrong, but yeah, that was definitely interesting. And she explains to the doctor that after recording music, they went to a bar and the doctor asks her if they were drinking. And Julie says, if I say yes, will I get in trouble? Which I think was very, very telling <laughs> of why so many people are afraid to come forward with this kind of thing. They're like, she's underage technically. So she's like, oh my gosh, am I going to get in trouble for drinking, even though in this situation, like it doesn't really matter. So I thought that was a really important question that the writers put in. But the doctor said like, no, you're not going to get in trouble. So she said, yeah, we had a couple of beers, but I wasn't like falling over drunk. She's just tipsy. She had a buzz and they went back to her room. So then she explains that after making out for a while, she did get to the point where she told Zach that she wanted to go slow. And initially he said that was fine. And then Julie, in the middle of her story, says to the doctor, I bet you hear stories like this all the time. So we're really seeing inside Julie's brain at this point, like she really is kind of convincing herself that this isn't a big deal and that mm -hmm. she shouldn't be here reporting anything. It's not a big deal. You get this all the time. Like. It was just really shocking to me. So then she tells the doctor that, you know, at first he had said that was fine, but then he kept progressing the situation and she did actually say the words, I don't want to have sex and that she wanted to wait. But Zach did not stop. She said no multiple times. He did not stop. He told her he loved her. And then Julie says, you know what, like, I don't mean to be all melodramatic here, like, I didn't scream. I didn't hit him. He wasn't violent. He left like nothing happened. Nothing was wrong. She's like, I mean, you wouldn't call this rape, right? And the doctor says, yeah, I would. And I think I mentioned this last week, but I thought this was such a powerful scene because I'm sure there are just so many people out there who've experienced sexual assault that have thought that like, oh, well, you know, it was just a bad date or, oh, I just regretted it after. Like, you talk yourselves out of this. I just thought this scene was so powerful. I think it was also hard for Julie to hear that because it made it more real because she didn't really want to put that label on it, I don't think. And to hear a professional who does hear these stories all the time and would know to hear her use that word rape, I think that was kind of like a gut punch. Also, like, on one hand, it's validating and affirming. On the other hand, it's like, oh, this is really horrible. This is real. This really happened. Why do you think that word has such, like, why don't you think more women want to, or, you know, just anyone who's experienced sexual assault, like, what, what is that power of using that word? What does that do? Why is that such a hard thing for us to say? I think it's a lot of women's worst nightmare. Like, that's kind of like, you think on on our minds like we did talk about like how it's not going to be the boogeyman in the parking garage or in the alley but mm -hmm. we still are on guard constantly i think a lot of people you know like you can take self-defense classes you can have pepper spray or pepper gel or a knife or even a gun or a taser whatever so we're still constantly on guard and that word's just so loaded because it's i mean that's a crime that's not like going on a bad date's not a crime you know rape is sexual assault that's a crime it's it's really serious. So I think just that added weight of that official term, like I think that just makes it heavier. I think it's one of those things where you hear about it often, you hear stories from friends or people you know, but then 
kind of in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, but it's not going to happen to me. But it really could happen to anyone and it could happen to you. So I think the episode did a really good job of kind of portraying, you know, like we said, like it's it's not just this aggressive jock being violent. It's the quiet nerd. It's your friend. It's, it could be anyone. And it could also be like the scarlet letter. Obviously, I'm not saying that the two are the same, but it, it's kind of like maybe if she also thinks if I use this word now, I'm only going to be known and seen as the girl that was raped. Right. Like. Once you admit yeah. that, that yeah. it was that word, that it was rape, now that's all I am or all I've become. So maybe that's why it's also difficult to kind of put that actual label on it. So then at the end of the doctor's appointment, the doctor also asks her if Zach used a condom, and he did not. Which, I mean, the whole thing is awful, but it's just like a nut that just... <laughs> It's it's another notch, as Megan would say, like that just takes it to a whole nother level. So Julie now rejoins Felicity and tells her that she'll have to take two pills, which they don't say exactly what it is, but we're assuming it's like a plan B mm-hmm. since he didn't use a condom. And she tells Felicity that it was a good idea to bring the sheets in. And as they're leaving, two cops approach Julie to file a police report. And Julie says that she told the doctor everything already. They're like, yeah, but that's, you know, for the doctor, this is to actually file a police report. And she was kind of dodging it. She's like, oh, you know what? Like, maybe I'll just I'll do it later. Like, I'll take your card. Maybe I'll just do it later. And she tells Felicity she just wants to go home. And again, the writers just such a good job. Like they've highlighted another reason. There's just so many reasons why people don't come forward. And this was another one like. She just explained everything in very, like, so much detail to the doctor. And now here's another time that she's going to have to explain everything and relive that trauma again. Like, I could totally understand where she's just like, I want to go home and go under the covers and not come out again. Yeah. And it's probably one thing telling it to, like, a female doctor Mm -hmm. who was, like, very gentle and kind to her. And then having to, like, tell these male police officers who probably won't be as gentle about it as the doctor was. So that's understandable yeah and that would only be the first time because that would have to come up again like if they do go forward from there then she'd get interviewed multiple times probably in in court and all that so it's just the beginning of a really long journey you know if you go the legal route yeah and in the appointment with the doctor you know again the writers brought up multiple reasons why people don't come forward you know they were drinking we hear later on that the da probably won't take a case if there are drugs or alcohol involved the doctor asked if they were dating or a friend and Julie brought up, he said he loved me and they were, you know, kind of dating. They had kissed a few times. That's another reason why people are like, well, you know, you can't rape your spouse. I mean, that like that stuff actually happens and people don't report it because people don't believe that, you know, a spouse could rape you. She said she didn't scream or fight back. So people victim shame all the time and say, oh, well, you know, if you didn't want to do it, like, why didn't you fight him on it? Why didn't you scream for help? Like, they put all of these responsibilities on the person who experienced the the assault. And so many times now they just want to move on and not talk about it over and over and over again. So, again, just this whole scene, I think, was extremely well done and very sensitive to a lot of the reasons that people don't come forward. Um, And actually read in an article that They consulted, the writers and creators consulted with a few different groups who work with victims so that they would get this episode right. And I think it really shows. Oh, I didn't know that. That's really cool. 
I was wondering how they did so well because <laughs> I was like, this is pretty realistic. So that's awesome. I'm glad they took that extra care. So then after the doctor's appointment, we are back in Felicity's room and someone knocks on the door. Uh, Felicity opens up and it is a very young girl who is very hyper and annoying. She's got a sleeping bag in her arms and she's talking really fast. Felicity's like, wait, I'm sorry, who are you? She's like, wait, did you forget about me? <laughs> And apparently this girl is a prospective student, a junior in high school that Felicity signed up to host for the weekend, and she forgot all about her. And with everything going on and with Julie and Felicity trying to help, she, I guess, is mentally unequipped to handle this student this weekend. So Megan comes in to go pick up her next supplies for her next night out. And Felicity goes over to Megan's like, oh, my God, there's so much going on right now. This is a prospective student. And she's like, can you just take her this weekend? But Megan, of course, throws it back to her like, wait, you invited someone to sleep in our room and you didn't even ask my permission? So she's not going to, she's like, I'm not babysitting some kid. She's like, she can sleep here, but if she touches my box, she's dead. So <laughs> then Felicity calls on Elena to help. And Elena's reaction was much different from Megan's. I mean, Elena kind of asks her, like, what happened? What's so serious? Why can't you do this? But Felicity was just like, look, another favor. You can't ask me what's going on or I can't tell you. And you just have to be okay with that. And basically, Elena's like, yeah, no problem. I got you. So she is an awesome friend for doing that, mm -hmm. for watching this crazy party, party crazy teenager. I'm glad this episode did have, like, a couple you know, comic relief elements thrown in with this girl and knows Noel's goatee and all this. That party girl was actually one of the writers of the episode. Oh, really? Wow. The teenager? Yeah. Yeah. And it was a whole controversy, actually. And I, I'm surprised Heather didn't stumble upon this. She had, I was not researching that. Uh, marketed herself as an... She, no, it was like a really big thing. She she told everybody in Hollywood that she was 19 years old, so she was like some wonderkin, like, oh, I'm I'm just really amazing at writing. I'm only 19, but she was actually 32. And like, she had her, her mom and her husband on it. What? Her husband was oh. pretending to be her brother or something like that. It was a whole thing. And she was going to have a deal with Disney, and everybody found out, and the deal with Disney fell Okay, through. please send us this article. I want to yeah. read this. Yeah. Oh, it's on the IMDb trivia if you just look on the main Felicity page of okay. IMDb, but it's not on the um, trivia for the episode itself, but the main, and then I, I went down a rabbit hole with it, obviously, but yeah, that happened. 32, and she was trying to, I'm sorry, I mean, I'm not 32. I'm well, she did look very young. She did, but like, I'm That's mid, <laughs> I'll say mid-30s, uh, I'll be generous and say mid-30s. No. I could not pull off 19, I'm sorry. That's crazy. She did seem like a like a young person though I in know. the episode. I mean, she was playing very young. Yeah, like, she she was successfully portraying a young person. Was it I guess just so. this episode that she wrote, or was she like? Oh. No, she was hired for she. I think she wrote a few episodes. I think she she did a little bit of work for them before <laughs> she got busted. And it was somebody, yeah, somebody checked her social security number or something like that. And they're like, wait a minute. Yeah, normally you do that before you start a job, but wow. Yeah, I don't know how that, that got past them, but... This sounds like that horror movie, The Orphan, Yeah, where they adopt this... They think it's like this young girl, but she's actually old. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Is she like a ghost from 100 years ago or something? Oh, I should have done a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert for The Orphan. Sorry. Ah, <laughs> uh, sorry. Oopsies. Is no, that the one no, with no. Nicole... With Nic 
is that the one with Nicole Kidman? Oh. Where they're like in the room and there's like a jump scare. I only know the trailer. I'm, I don't do scary movies. Anyway, that's crazy. And I'm going to read about this. Yeah, it is. It is crazy. So she, she co-wrote this with J.J. Abrams and then she got busted. So this was the only episode she ended up doing with them. Wow. Whoops. <laughs> she blew it. I don't know why she would have needed to lie about that. Why she couldn't just be who she was and write. But I think it looks... Um, Oh, she was like on like 100 up and coming people in Hollywood to watch kind of thing because she was so Let's young. Let's get her on so, the show. Yeah, there was like a, there was a lot actually behind it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Send us. Yeah, it's a whole drama. <laughs> yeah, she still, she acts and writes for other stuff too. So yeah. Wow. I mean, she, she managed to survive that, I guess. Like she's still participating in Hollywood shenanigans. But yeah, she definitely did not keep her job. <laughs> wow. She walked so Elizabeth Holmes could run. That's crazy. Uh, now I want to like rewatch the episode. I'm seeing her in a whole new light now. Yeah, I I couldn't when I saw it. I was like, "Are you serious? Is that really her?" And it is. That's that's the party girl. Oh yeah. Wow. Send yeah. us the article, and we'll drop it in the show notes too. I'll try to track that down. So yeah, fraud fraud student. Uh, she is now in Elena's hands for the weekend. And all she's talking about are these cool clubs that they could go to. And I think it's also just funny because it's the exact opposite of Elena's personality. Like, she's the one that's like, I got work to do. I can't go to parties. And now she's got this 16-year-old kid who all she wants to do is go clubbing when Elena's like, all I want to do is do my homework. So this is, you know, we know this isn't going to go well. Then back with Felicity, she tells Sally that... You know, she really just doesn't know if Julie's doing well, that it took her 20 minutes to basically get Julie to go to lunch. So they're both in the cafeteria and she's trying to cheer Julie up by talking about some sugary cereal. And Julie kind of acknowledges. She's like, I can tell, like, are you trying to cheer me up? It's kind of working. But Zach comes up to their table and he says, hey, what's up? Like, I've been calling you and, you know, haven't heard back from you. And I mean, Julie's face just drops. And she says that she's just been busy, but he's like, yeah, well, I really want to show you the music you did for my movie, my shitty ass movie. Like it turned out really well. And he's basically acting like nothing's wrong, like nothing happened. And so he's like, oh, well, can I call you later? You're going to be around? She's like, yeah, maybe I should be. I don't know. And so he's like, OK, cool. I'll see you around. And he goes to the lunch line where Ben is in line. And so then they kind of just start talking and laughing and joking around. And Julie sees that. And she just kind of starts to break down. She's probably having a panic attack. I am not a doctor. I can't diagnose this. But it it looks like she's freaking out because of that conversation. I, yeah. I think it's fair to say that as far as the trauma response, that we can say her sympathetic nervous system was activated. So some of the systems that were like that fight or flight system that we have that probably was activated during the assault probably got re-triggered just seeing him and talking to him. So that's more like what was happening not necessarily a panic attack but that sympathetic nervous system was elevated and got got jacked up hmm. i remember seeing this episode for the first time and being so shocked that he came up to her and acted like everything was normal i was like what what what's happening like i know she mentioned in the hospital like you know he got up and left like everything was normal but i thought later on like after this he would avoid her or whatever but he that shocked me that scene i remember just being disturbed by it 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 was disturbing and felicity's also kind of shocked like she doesn't say much she's clearly concerned about julie in that scenario but she just kind of like hands her a tissue 
but there's not really much to say or do. Like it's a public place. I, yeah, I don't think Felicity really know, knows what to do to help at this point. But Julie's visibly upset. So then in the next scene, Felicity and, and Noel go to health services together to talk about Julie. They don't use her name, but they say that, you know, they have a friend that this has happened to. And the I guess I'll call her a counselor, maybe, instead of the cool chick at health services. Um, <laughs> but the counselor says that most do not report it and most also don't seek counseling. And the counselor says that the most important thing to do is to listen to their friend and believe her. And we are still trying to drum that into people today. Like, believe women, believe victims, believe people when they say this happens because it's such an ordeal. And the percentage of people who are lying is just so absolutely low, it's not even worth talking about. So if that's one, one message from this episode to take away is believe them. So then Felicity and Noel tell the counselor that, or I guess it was just Felicity, tells the counselor that Julie keeps saying she's fine. And the counselor's like, she's not. I can guarantee you she is not fine. And she need, you need to tell her that she needs to get help. And so Noel says, well, okay, if she decides to report it, like, what's the process here? What, what happens? Is she going to have to testify? And the counselor says if she decides to report it to the police then it's a criminal case, but that the DA likely will not take acquaintance rape cases where alcohol or drugs are involved because it's too hard to prosecute. So as we said, that's another reason why people don't come forward a lot of the time. If Julie decides to report it to the school, she'd file a complaint. There'd be a detailed description of everything that happened. The dean would compile all the information, reports from anyone who, have, anyone who has knowledge of the situation, including Felicity. The dean would then meet with the alleged rapist, and then it would be passed on to the student conduct committee if they're, you know, if the dean decides that this was worth moving forward. And that's when Julie would probably have to testify. And the counselor says that that is not a pleasant process. She does say, though, that doing nothing is worse, that reporting it is important, but even more important is that she talks to someone. Rape affects your sense of trust and control. And she says that. I think she says almost one third of rape victims contemplate suicide. So I think Felicity and Noel kind of get the gravity of the situation. I mean, they knew it was serious, but like there's even more repercussions that they maybe hadn't been thinking about. I guess, Joe, I'd like to hear from you. I mean, we were talking about how Felicity is kind of being a Badinsky in previous episodes. <laughs> oh, <great. laughs> and even in the beginning of the episode, like, did she break Julie's trust by going to Noel about this? Is she being too pushy, maybe trying to get Julie to go to the doctor? And then, well, you got to call this, you know, like she's really trying to get Julie to take action. On the one hand, like, yeah, you're going to have to let Julie do what she wants to do. But also then this counselor is almost telling her, like, you have to tell your friend to get counseling. You have to tell your friend this is important. So it's like, I also feel like Felicity might be getting the message that she does have to do something because this counselor or this person at health services is telling her, like, this is really important and you need to get your friend to understand this. So I don't know. I'd like, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Like, is this a conversation that would actually happen? I So I worked at a crisis line almost eight years or something like that. <laughs> and we it, it was this crisis center specialized in domestic violence and sexual assault. So I had a lot of these calls all the time. And I never told people who are calling because this happened to their friend. I never said, you have to tell your friend to get some help. 
you say you can let them know about some resources, but you kind of have to follow their lead and kind of say, like, do you want me to listen? Do you want me to distract you? Do you want me to like be funny? Do you want me to just shut up and you do all the talking? Do you want to just talk about something different entirely? You know, like give them some options. Like, I'll do what you want me to do to make you as comfortable as possible. And we'll go from there. Kind of not push an agenda on them. Like, if you do want to talk about it with somebody, there's this crisis center that has these free resources for you if you're interested, but, or you can call the hotline and, you know, it'll be confidential and then just kind of leave it, you know, let the, let the person decide and not, again, not force them to do something they don't want to do because that already happened. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's for the sake of the TV show that they had this counselor. So you're like, oh, you need to tell her to, to talk to someone and, and get help. I mean, it is very important. It's it's really serious if people don't talk to anybody because they might engage in some coping skills that aren't particularly healthy for them. And, you know, like the whole suicidal thing, the potential for that and not having the support like from a professional. It's different to have support from a friend versus a professional who can give you some actual information and some real coping skills and not just like, hey, girl, let's just watch our favorite movie together. Something that's a little bit more productive than that. Ben, ben and Jerry's won't solve this. <laughs> no, I think it was just kind of hammering home the point. Like Treatments, you know, counseling is very vital to have a more positive outcome down the road versus kind of shoving it, burying it, keeping it to yourself and just trying to soldier on like it doesn't really go away. And part of the evidence of that is her body getting activated, just having a conversation with them. There's a book called The Body Keeps the Score that therapists know about. Like, it's a whole big thing. Like, it's going to stay with you, even if you're not consciously thinking about it. If you don't do something to process it, your body will process it for you. And it's often in ways that are very, very uncomfortable. So it's in you know your best interest to talk to a professional about it. But if not a professional, at least, you know, a trusted friend. So it's not getting shoved down. And we even see, moving into the next scene here, um, Felicity is meeting up with Julie, but as Julie's walking around the city, you can already tell the mental impact this is taking because she almost gets hit by a car. Like, it was just such a subtle thing in, like, a passing scene where they're not talking, nothing's happening. She's just, like, walking to meet Felicity, and she's so distracted yeah. that she almost gets hit by a car in the street, right? So I thought that was a very quick but nuanced scene for us to re realize yeah. that, like, it's already impacting her mentally. Right. And and some people, some therapists, some psychiatrists, some psychologists would say that she may have been dissociating at that point, like mm. just kind of checked out and not fully present. And that's why that almost happened. Well, she almost got hit by a car because she wasn't fully present, which we would call dissociating. So then her and Felicity are walking together and Felicity's like, look, I'm supposed to bring this up naturally in a conversation, but I'm just going to come out with it. Like I went to health services and tried to get some advice. And here are these pamphlets that they gave me to give to you. And Julie's like, wait a minute. She's very scared for a second. She's like, you didn't say my name, did you? She's like, no, no, no. But, you know, just wanted to get some help, right? So Felicity tells her that she should call this woman at health services. And Julie's like, look, you know, I really, I would if I really felt like I needed it, but I'm fine. And Felicity just does not let it go. She's like, you know, you don't seem fine, <laughs> which it's fair. She's not fine. But yeah, at some point you can't continue to badger her. So Julie's like, yeah, look, maybe maybe yeah. I'll call her later and she leaves. Yeah, it shuts the conversation down. So that's the exact opposite of what Felicity was trying to accomplish. And the lady said, you know, bring it up naturally or yeah. something. And she's like, but I'm not going to. So she did it the Felicity way, which was not a 
perspective. You can't you can't do that. You cannot force somebody to talk about something they're not ready to talk about because I mean, even when it's a safe setting, like, you know, in my professional life, when people come to me and they're trying to tell me about their trauma, it's hard for them to talk to me. And I'm not, I don't think I'm that scary. But it's like, you know, it's like a contained, safe environment. You know, you're talking to a professional and it's confidential and all those things. And that's still really hard for people. So even when they want to, like, they're going there on purpose, it's still a really hard thing to do. So it's extra far to make that leap to say, yeah, you got to go do this when somebody's not ready to talk about it. It's not going to go well. And it's only been, it's only been like a day or two. So this is all still super new and super Yeah, barely. Yeah. Yeah. It's too raw. It's too fresh. Well, then we move over to Ben's loft and Zach is there playing video games with Ben. And Sean's in the background. He's got his disposable camera vending machines um, in the back. (laughs) That's his next startup idea. We should we should start doing like a long list of all of his ideas. Like, is there a new one every episode? I feel like there must be. We've had Marzipan Boxers. There's been some kind of new board game. But anyway, so Ben asks Zach how things are going with Julie. And he's like, oh, I don't know. They just keep playing games. But someone buzzes and Sean answers and says, oh, Zach, it's your RA, Daryl. He's here to talk to you. And Zach is confused. He's like, what? Why is my RA here? So he goes into the hall as Daryl comes up, and Daryl's like, hey, tell me what happened on Friday night. Zach says, I went out with a girl on Friday. And he's like, yeah, well, did you rape that girl? Because that's what I heard. And Zach's like, what? No, that's impossible. And Daryl proceeds to yell at him, and he's like, look, if this rumor's for real, like, he's going to make his life a living hell. He's like, anything that jeopardizes my job jeopardizes my scholarship, and I'm not having that. So I think Daryl is very hot in this moment. <laughs> really? Uh, I oh, did, yeah. I thought he wasn't hot in this moment because it didn't seem like he actually cared about the rape happening. True. He cared about his job. True. Like, if I lose my job, I'm well, going to be did... mad. I'd be like, what? Why don't you care that a woman was raped? Like, Yeah, I didn't mm. like that part. But he did say, I'm going to make your life ugly, not just because you deserve it, okay. but also, and then he gave the personal reasons, too. So he did say that he would deserve to have his life be ugly, <laughs> made ugly by... <laughs> Maybe my bar is so low for, like, men speaking up and doing the right thing that I'm like, wow, that was hot. <laughs> mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk about more male reactions. Um in this episode but yeah so basically daryl yells at him and then leaves and zach is confused and probably panicking and unfortunately though that kind of makes things worse uh because then zach confronts julie in the laundry room which i thought i don't know if that was intentional but that's where they met so i thought that was kind of like it wasn't her room like i just wonder why the writers decided to have this happen in the laundry room again i don't know if it was to show like how far this has come from him making all his clothes pink yeah. to now this. I don't know, but I was just like, that's interesting place for this scene to happen. Well, plus two, mm-hmm. nobody was there and it's kind of isolated because I feel like, I know in my dorm, the laundry room was in the basement. It's like, it's it's removed from common areas where anybody's going to be. Like, it, you did have to scream. Is anybody going to hear you type of thing? So <laughs> I think the isolation of that setting, it, it kind of would be expected that she'd be even more scared than if he just ran into her like in the cafeteria and was like, hey, what happened? Why are you saying this? I guess. if Yeah, I don't know. 
I wouldn't have expected that it would be empty. Like it's a common area, so I, I wouldn't have expected that. But that's interesting. It is it is more isolated. Depends yeah. on what time you go. Yeah. I, I remember doing my laundry and like nobody was ever down there a bunch of times. So I think yeah, it just heightens and displays her vulnerability that she can be alone and then all of a sudden her attacker's there and that's super, super scary. And yeah, like, like is it gonna happen again or is he just gonna yell at her? Like what you know, what's gonna happen? Next? Yeah. So he tells her that he just had a wild conversation with his RA who accused him of raping and raping her. And he starts yelling at her. He's like, is that what you said? Is that what you think happened? And she's like, I don't know. I'm just really confused. And he keeps yelling at her and like, no, 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 no. You you kissed me at the bar. You were giving off all these signals like, but I didn't attack you. And she's just obviously so uncomfortable and wants to leave. She's feeling threatened. He's also blocking her from the door. Like he's in between her and the door, which is probably scary too. And so she's just like, I'm really confused. He's like, you're not going to report this, are you? And he grabs her arm as she's trying to leave. And she's like, I don't know. Again, I'm really confused. And he's like, well, if you report this, I'll probably be expelled. And so now he's intimidating her, not... Not great. And so she eventually says, let go of my arm. And he does. And then she leaves. So now she knows, too. Okay, well, Felicity is the only person I've told. So now that it's gotten around, now we know Felicity has told someone. So then in Felicity's room, she's on the phone with Javier talking about taking over some shifts. And Julie barges in her room and asks her who she told. And Felicity says that she told Noel because, you know, she thought he could help. But Julie's pissed. She's like, look. You are not the one who has to deal with this. Giving me pamphlets won't fix anything. And she's like, you're treating me as if I don't know what's happened to me. And Felicity's like, well, look, you wouldn't believe you either. And so now Felicity's almost yelling at her and like mad at her because like it's just Felicity just back off. And this just gets even more heartbreaking because then Julie says, she's like, look, we're different people. You don't understand. She's like, this was my fault. This is the message that I give off to guys. She's like, Felicity, you're a genius. That's your talent. My talent is giving off this vibe to guys. And she says very cruelly too, like her facial looks, Amy Jo Johnson, I should also say in this episode was just amazing. I know I give Julie a lot of shit on this show or on our episode, but she was incredible in this episode and her facial expression. She says, I know what I am. And that was so heartbreaking to me. So it's like, who has told her this enough times that she's now believed it? Like, it, it was just, she's like, it's not the first time this has happened to her. And it was so heartbreaking. It's not uncommon if you've been abused or assaulted once that it's going to happen again. And then so you do get that idea in your head, like, oh, it must be me. But I think that was a pretty realistic uh, response from her, too. Yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately, that does happen in real life and people you get the idea that there's something about them that's causing these things to happen, which is absolutely untrue. We already know she doesn't have a healthy, a healthy past with relationships with guys, with her comments of like, you know, staying with guys, waiting till they break up with her and all that. So, And Felicity at least says like, look, this is not your fault. But she does say she's like, I can't just sit here and watch you do nothing. It's like, well, unfortunately, Felicity, you can and you kind of have, have to. to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like you actually really do have to just back off. It's like so, so creating the opposite environment that Julie needs. That pressure that Felicity's putting on her to like, go fix this, go fix this. Like you have to take care of it. 
Like, that's not how this works. You have to come to that in your own time and your own comfort level, your own pace. And you can't just get shoved into a counselor's office and everything's Mm going to be better. And like Melissa said, it's been what, like a day? So, So, yeah, (laughs) so little time has passed. Yeah. I mean, some people don't don't share things like this for years, like decades. It's that painful to disclose. I mean, so Mm -hmm. that's so wildly unrealistic to expect somebody like, oh. I'm when this happened this day and the very next day I'm going to go see a counselor. No. And <laughs> that's very yeah, elementary. go to the doctor, file a police report, file a university report. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So then rightly so, Julie says that she is so pissed at her because she told Noel and says that she can't believe she thought Felicity would understand and that she basically like trusted her with this information and she storms off, which causes now Felicity to storm off and she goes to Noel Barges in in his room while he's inspecting his goatee, kind of goatee. It's kind of there. But she asks him if he told Daryl, and Noel did. And she's like, well, look, Daryl approached Zach, and now Zach confronted Julie, and now Julie's pissed. So word, you know, the grapevine in Kelvin Hall is very fast. So Noel asks if Julie is going to call the woman from health services. Felicity's like, probably not. And Noel's like, well, look, statistically... Julie's going to do nothing and pretty much like Felicity's just going to have to make peace with that. You're going to have to accept that. And then Felicity, again, brief glimmer of comedic relief here. She's like, what's what's that thing? <laughs> and she's like, are you growing a goatee? Are you growing a goatee? He's like, well, not with that tone in your voice. And so I I appreciate that little little joke there. But he does continue to grow it until the very, very end of the episode. So he still didn't get the hint that it's not a good look. Then we see Elena in her room studying and Story, which is the name of the prospective student. She's there very noisily flipping through some magazines and she's like begging Elena to take her to some club. She's like, I've heard about this one and then this other one and I'll pay. I'll pay for the cab. I'll pay for our admission, what the covers, whatever. She's like, we'll both go. And she's just so desperate to party. And Elena's like, look, I've got homework. I'm turning off the light (laughs) and just wants to shut this down. She's so super annoyed. The English class they all have together. Felicity is already in the lecture hall and Ben uh, comes up to approach her. He hasn't gotten a ton of screen time since the cheating scandal happened. Oh, yeah. Happened. So it's kind of nice to see Ben back. (laughs) I'm sure, Melissa, you're happy to have Ben back on our screen. There's some moments in a a little bit that I appreciate a lot from Ben. But yeah. Like, oh, yeah, there he is. Haven't seen him. He's also growing some stubble. Yeah, he can pull it off. Unlike Noel, he can pull it off. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I think that's I think that's good that he wasn't as around as much because he is still kind of on the outs with Felicity. Like they're like having to mend, you know, since that whole cheating scandal thing. He's still kind of coming around again. So it makes sense that he didn't have as much interaction on this episode. Yeah, I mean, at the end of last week he like he just kind of started talking to felicity again they like sat down after the elena thing he thought that was i guess appropriate or okay for going into her file and and helping elena out um (laughs) so he's like just started talking to her again so you're right he wouldn't have been around much so he goes up to felicity and asks what's going on with julie that he's heard some things and he (laughs) called her but she wasn't there and at least at least felicity says (laughs) You should talk to her. <laughs> Doesn't divulge everything. Yeah. Yeah. She tried. <laughs> she tried At to, the very least. You know, I mean, she learned her lesson a little bit. Like, she scaled it back. 
she also said a lot without saying anything in this conversation. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, she... And fortunately, he was perceptive enough to pick up on it. Yeah, yeah. So Ben's like, look, I heard she was raped. And Felicity says, you should talk to her. And, oh, Ben, sweet Ben, says, does Zach know about this? Should I tell him? And Felicity's like, um, again, doesn't say anything, but she gives him a very knowing look. And, uh, yeah, he gets that it was Zach. So then Ben goes to confront Zach in the lunch line the cafeteria he's already amped up and furious and he asks him what happened with julie he's like what he's like no tell me like last friday you guys went out you went back to our place then what he's like oh we had sex and ben says well how'd that happen he's like you know how it happens he's like no you need to tell me how it happened he's like did you force her and then zach gets really really disgusting and ugly and he's like she wanted it you know what she's like you're with her too and ben thankfully replies like we didn't sleep together she didn't want to and zach says well she wanted to with me what are you jealous and so then of course they start pushing each other and ben tackles him to the ground and starts punching him pretty hard and zach is blubbering like stop it stop it And so Ben does back off and he's like, see, the difference is when you said stop, I did. Mic drop. Mm. Boom. I know. I mean, I'm pretty sure y'all know this is my hottest Ben moment of the episode. Saw it coming a mile away. Should there be any others? I don't love the punching, but, but still he, he was hot. Oh, it was beautiful. He was just so angry and defensive. Agree. All three of us agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was awesome. Unfortunately, I can't give Noel any hot moments because he has the goatee. That's pretty much the whole episode. So I got nothing for him. Sorry. It's um, all right. So Ben, I guess, got his point across. Um, <laughs> and then... What? <laughs> his point across. I love that. He did. <laughs> That's right. He did. He, he's an effective communicator. It, yeah. He was direct. <laughs> so then we go back to Felicity's room and Elena comes in. Felicity looks like she's recording her tape to Sally, just like chilling on the bed, recording her tape. But I'm like, OK, yeah, at this point, you probably could have taken story <laughs> like she's just kind of like, oh, I'm chilling on the bed doing whatever. And Elena's dealing with this crazy, annoying, hyperactive 16 year old. So I did feel really bad for Elena in this scene. But she comes to her room to complain about story (laughs) that she was like up in the middle of the night and picking out outfits for Elena so they could go clubbing together and puts on (laughs) makeup. And and Elena was like, you need to go to bed, you 16-year-old freak. (laughs) So again, great comic, comic relief from Elena at this point. And she's like, that's it. Like, I'm relinquishing custody of her back over to you. And Felicity's like, thank you so much for taking her. You know, and Elena's like, yeah, you owe me big. You don't even know how big you owe me for this. So um, Felicity is getting story back. But then in Julie's room, she is playing her guitar, tuning it. And we hear a knock on the door and it's Ben. So Julie lets him in and she sees his hand is all beat up. And she asks what happened to his hand. He's like, ah, nothing. It was stupid. So he doesn't tell her what, what happened with Zach. but. He says that he wanted to tell her something, but he didn't want to come in and preach to her because he's thinking that she's probably been hearing a lot of that lately. 
And she's like, no, it's okay. So then Ben goes on to say that at home growing up, his dad always let him down at the most important moments, like baseball games, birthday parties, track meets, graduation. His dad just wouldn't show. But that he'd also get angry sometimes. And it took Ben forever to realize that he was an alcoholic. And he would throw things. He would hit them. And Ben would always try to figure out what he himself was doing to make his dad act that way. But now that Ben has been living in New York, he's gotten some perspective. And he tells her now he can see that it wasn't his fault. That Ben wasn't the reason that his dad drank or got mad or hurt him or hurt his mom. And he says, it wasn't me. It was him. And I think that that's kind of exactly what Julie needed to hear in that moment. And she kind of finally lets go. She, Mm -hmm. like, lets out a deep breath. And she just kind of hugs him. And you can see she's maybe crying now. And, yeah, I... I still struggle because I don't know, like, she was so much more receptive to Ben, even though, like, Felicity's been there trying to help her, trying to tell her it's not her fault. But, you know, Ben walks in and is like, oh, yeah, it's not your fault. And she's like, oh, yeah, okay. So, I, I mean, I'm I'm assuming it's because he's also been through trauma and abuse. And so maybe there's just some sort of bond between them that her and Felicity don't have. But, Joe, I'd, I'd love to hear why you think she was so receptive in this moment. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited. <laughs> Because he did not tell her it's not your fault. He told her without telling her by illustrating his own personal experience. And that was part of the Mm -hmm. reason why she was kind of butting heads with Felicity. Like, you don't understand. Mm. And he does. He gets it. And he's communicating. He gets it. And he can say it's not your fault without uttering those words. Like, he doesn't have to because they're on that same level. Like, they both get each other. So I thought that was why she was so much more receptive because he wasn't trying to tell her her own experience he was just validating from his own perspective and that's kind of safer to hear about somebody else's thing sometimes it's like less heavy to kind of receive that information from somebody else and then kind of then you can apply it to yourself so I think that's why that was so much more impactful and to me that was Ben's hottest moment yeah that was that was a good one so supportive and without being forceful and he even checked in with her Mm -hmm. like are you bored like just going along you know he was kind of rambling and even checked in like am I boring you like and she's like no keep going so like even that that little piece of consent there like can I keep talking yes oh good work I I think he did a really good job I think he handled it Joe's like trying to pull me over Mm -hmm. to team Ben now wow (laughs) that just just (laughs) new insights on the conversation you're right like before (laughs) he even told her the story he asked for consent in the middle he asked for consent oh man wow Mm -hmm. yes Yes. And he said, can Mm -hmm. I come in for a sec? Like he wasn't, he wouldn't even come into the room until he's, you know, she let him in. He was very, very careful and very sensitive to what she may have needed in that, in that interaction they were having. And backing up a little bit, I think it did make sense. You kind of were laughing at Ben a little bit like, does Zach know? I think that makes sense that he would assume that it was not Mm -hmm. Zach because most people do, especially back then. Would have still had that trope, like the yeah. parking garage alley, like boogeyman, like monster guy. So he wouldn't have naturally assume that it was him. So I think it, you know, that's just another example of how much people wouldn't just jump to that conclusion at that time, especially somebody like Zach, who didn't seem overtly kind of like yeah. aggressive and like toxic masculinity type of. Yeah, we. I mean, we all have those biases in mm-hmm. our heads, right? So he probably just mm-hmm. in his in 
you know, in his own mind, didn't think that was the kind of guy to do it. Yeah. Like, or like, some random my thing, friends yeah. wouldn't do that just because he wouldn't. But yeah, I would love it if more male friends stood up to their guy friends the way that Ben did. Maybe not in that exact way, but mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> no, but that's, I mean, yeah, Joe, that's a great point about also he understands where she's coming from. Because just before in the scene with Julie and Felicity, she's like, I can't believe I thought you would understand. And so you're right. Like he already off the bat sets the stage. Mm -hmm. I get where you're coming from. I've had an abusive father and she doesn't, you're right. You're right. He like, he doesn't tell her it's not my fault and it's not your fault. Like he literally is just telling his own story. So that's, yeah. yeah. And he's also not, he wasn't like, go get help, go to the counselor. Like he wasn't telling her any of those yeah. things. He was just yeah. there. And I think he, mm -hmm. wanted, I think he said it was him like about his mm -hmm. dad. Like it wasn't me, it was him. Mm -hmm. And even that phrase, it was him still, you know, she could layer that onto onto her situation so just hearing hearing those words i think resonate for her without it having to like you know hit you over the head with messaging so then we see julie leaves her room alone and she does actually go to the cool lady from health services so what ben said again he got his point across too in this in this scenario she <laughs> yeah goes to talk to the woman from health services so Yay. Without him telling her, go talk to that lady, she went on her own. Very grateful she went to get some help. And then we also see Zach is kind of inspecting his beat up face in a mirror. So this is our typical Felicity slow-mo scene here. And in one of Zach's lectures, he's sitting in the chairs and we see some lady come to the door to interrupt the class and <laughs> pulls him out of it. So now we know, too, <laughs> he in trouble. We might have to mute by clapping but i'm i'm doing yeah, a round of applause yeah he he's done for so after that we see felicity with story who's following her around again pestering about clubs like wow it's great that you have a job that must get, make you a lot of money so that you can go out at night and felicity's like no not really it's like girl you clearly have no idea how the world works like working at some coffee shop while also going to school you you don't have she's not like rolling in the dough here so uh, story is just very, very naive. She's 16, so makes sense. She's 32. She's actually 32. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> but they bump into Noel in one of the hallways, and Felicity tells him that Julie went to health services. And he's like, yeah, I know. I just talked to her. It wasn't clear to me if he just talked to Julie or if he just talked to the health services lady. But he says, basically, if it weren't for Felicity, she'd still be like locked up in a room under the covers. But Ben was the real MVP. Well, yes, he was. <laughs> I mean, I think Felicity did a lot of groundwork, you know, in telling her about the resource. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, I, yeah, I think but Ben's the real it MVP. took him. Yeah, it took him to, like, bring her to. It was a team effort. I don't know. Bring her back down to the ground, like to ground her a little bit, maybe. And then she could fully absorb everything Felicity has been telling her, maybe. Yeah, I felt like a weight was lifted. So I think when she shed that feeling of responsibility, I think that opened up her um, ability to go talk to somebody about it because she felt like maybe she felt less likely like she would be blamed or something at that point. So then Story actually asks out Noel. She's like, hey, you want to go out tonight? You want to go to the clubs? I'm just like, girl, back off. <laughs> and he still has his goatee. Felicity's like, really? Like, that's still going on? And Story's like, oh, I love it. I, you know, she's basically yeah, trying to get a date and trying to get someone to take her to the clubs. But then we go back to 
Felicity's room and Ben and Julie are there studying poetry with her and stories, of course, there. She's like listening to really loud music on her headphones and Megan comes in she's packing for another night out on the town. And I think she's packing up her. I can't believe it's not butter. <laughs> but she was just like, oh, my God. They just like bond over. I can't believe it's not butter. She's like, how much does that stuff taste like butter? And like so much. And they just start bonding over the ways to eat. I can't believe it's not butter. And Story is like, oh, where are you going out? And it's like, oh, is it adrenaline? She's like, yeah, is it good? Like they are just, they're fast friends immediately. Megan still looks a little bit annoyed. Like, oh, who's this baby that, you know, is talking to me? But they, they do have a little bit of a bond there. So Story asks to go with Megan to Adrenaline and offers to pay. Megan's like, okay, fine. And she's like, let's get a cab. She's like, we're walking. She's like, I'll pay or my treat. And she's like, fine, taxi it is. And they leave together. And Felicity's just like, wait, did that just happen? Really? So again, we get a nice little uplifting or happy moment in the show, which I appreciate because it's been so heavy. I really enjoyed that scene. Megan's so funny. She was so funny. Her like her edginess when she was going back and forth with story was so funny. She like always sounds annoyed, but yet they're bonding over something they both like. So then after Megan leaves, um, mm-hmm. Julie's kind of been looking out the rainy window, not really saying much, even though Ben's been kind of talking about poetry and all that. But basically, she just like gets up and she's like, she has to go talk to Zach. She's like, it's driving her crazy that he has absolutely no idea what's going on and he needs to know why she's fighting this. So Julie goes to Zach's room and he's all packed up already. She lets him know that she reported what happened and that she's going to testify and tells him, like, I don't, I know you don't think it was rape, but it was. And this is the only scene that Definitely feels written for television and just kind of wraps everything up in a nice, neat bow at the end here. Because then Zach says he knows. They're like, yeah, I get it. It was rape. And he tells her that he's going back to Minnesota, that he called his parents and told them what happened. And he met with the dean and admitted to what happened. He told him he was guilty. <laughs> and now his parents or his dad wants him home. I don't think in the real world that really happens, that they are so quick to be like, oh, yeah, okay, it was rape. I'm going to go say I was gu- I'm guilty and tell my parents and leave. I, I just, yeah, that was the only thing, but I get it. It's for television. <laughs> well, it's like you said, Ben got his point across, so maybe that, that's what made it sink in. Another, another <laughs> point for Ben. <laughs> he literally knocked some sense into him. It's true. Maybe his hand got butchered <laughs> even further when he was like, we're going to the Dean right now and you're going to tell him what happened. Like maybe there was a scene that got cut that we didn't see. <laughs> but Zach hands her a letter that he was going to leave for her. And he tells her that it says how sorry he is, how horrible that night must have been for her and how he wished things would have happened very differently. I don't love the words he was using here. Like he said he was sorry, but it. It didn't say, like, I shouldn't have done that. It was like, oh, I wish it happened differently. It's like, it didn't happen. You did it. Like, so, I mean, I get, like, at least he apologized and is taking some accountability. But I feel like the apology, the language that was used wasn't, I didn't love it. Well, maybe that's a little bit of the realism that (laughs) you were looking for. It's like, the insight's not completely there. He's 
they're wrapping it up kind of neatly, but they're still giving a little a little flavor of, yeah, it's still really mm-hmm. hard for people to get it. And then he says, I'm probably going to be expelled. Ooh, fucking who fucking who? Like, yeah, you probably should be expelled. But Julie says that that's not what she wanted to happen. She just wanted him to know. And he says, no, no, it wasn't your fault. None of it is. He said, then again, like, I don't know why he says this, but he's like, I had never done that before. Not raping someone, but, you know, having sex with someone. And then he's like, oh, as if that's an excuse. And it's like, no, it's not an excuse. Like, why are you sharing that? I just, again, I mean, but yeah, he's what, you know. Like you said, that may have been more confessional for him, like him just kind of talking through things like he was doing that for himself more than he was trying to genuinely mm-hmm. apologize is kind of work things out in his own head to kind of absolve yeah. himself or something. So then he grabs all his bags and boxes and he tells her he's like, I'm sorry. But then she says, me too. Yeah. Like, Julie, you are so close. Oh, weird. So close <laughs> to being done with this. And taking yeah. a stand, and then you say you're sorry too for what? Like, no, Julie, come on, girl, Doctor Joe, why did she say that? Because women just can't help themselves. We're always sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I took that to mean that she was sad, like, um, like when something bad happens to somebody, and you're like, oh, I'm sorry, even though you're mm-hmm. not the one who caused that. Like, oh, like my pet lizard died. Oh, I'm sorry. You didn't kill the lizard, but mm-hmm. you say, oh, I'm sorry, because it's just like. Yeah, I'm sad that that happened to you. I think she was just expressing a sadness of what was lost, Mm. you know, like the relationship they could have had. Like, I'm sorry we couldn't have had all those things as in I'm sad that things didn't go the way that they could have. Not like an apology to him, but just a sadness for the situation itself. That's what I I would hope so. Yeah. Do not apologize for getting him kicked out or whatever or for filing report. Do not apologize. But. I get, yes, she probably has some grief and wishes things would have turned out differently. Yeah. So, yeah, I think this scene, as I said, was probably written for television to wrap up this story arc without just having this, you know, episode after episode having to talk about the same plot line. And, you know, in real life, she's not going to get over what happened quickly. And in the story, like, we don't see her being dragged through the mud for years and going to court and testifying and all that. She's not going to forget that this happened. It's going to keep coming up in the show. But, like, we just don't see her. I guess it's not as big of a plot line for every single episode. So this just kind of wraps it up a little bit more neatly. So then at the end, we get Sally's tape back to Felicity. And Sally says that it's so easy to blame ourselves. And she says that she even blamed herself somehow that she had caused John's John's accident, who was her fiance. And she says that sometimes bad things just happen. No reason, no purpose. And we're left to pick up the pieces. That's what we're all doing all the time. Just picking up the pieces the best Mm -hmm. we can. And we fade out on Julie reading Zach's letter. And that was a beautiful ending, I thought. I'm glad we got some wisdom from Sally there at the end. Yeah, my reading of that too, kind of that blame thing about the human nature or trying to make sense of things. I think when it's stuff like this, like trauma stuff, I think that the blame is some kind of way to regain some sense of control. Like if you could blame yourself, that means you could have altered it in some Mm -hmm. way. So or you could prevent it from happening in the future, depending on what kind of trauma it is. I think it's trying to create some 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 sort of sense of control even though that's impossible and bad things do just happen and that's harder to sit with than oh it must have been something i did like so that feels a little bit more 
empowering almost to blame yourself just because it's so hard to just accept sometimes bad things just happen Mm -hmm. it's not fair it just yeah sucks there's no reason why you had it happen to you and that loss of control that absence of control is too much sometimes how do you all feel about i guess pink guy's departure I mean, I think it kind of sucked that he didn't have some formal repercussions. You know, even though he did admit things, it's like, okay, maybe he would have gotten expelled. It would have been cool if maybe we saw something in another episode. Maybe not like a whole like, oh, she's got to testify. We've got to go through all these steps because he did just confess in a minute that we could have had like, yes, he did get expelled. Like there's some justice, even though you can't undo what was done. I think that would have been a little bit more satisfying than him just kind of scurrying away and running home. Yeah, I think it was interesting how they showed how the university handled it, but, like, there's no police or, like, legal, like, he wasn't arrested or anything like that. So I guess she didn't want that. She didn't go that route. Yeah. Yeah. But I just think it's interesting that even though the university found out and expelled him, like, they don't have to legally contact the police and, like, start some sort of Mm. thing on that side. Yeah. It's two different justice systems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. Because there's codes yeah, of mean, conduct that, you know, a code of conduct or something, might... presumably at a college, university. So they would have their own kind of discipline consequences and questions and all that, their own protocol for that. And that's entirely separate. Right. But if they, if someone committed a crime or some, like other kind of yeah. crime, the university wouldn't do their own form of justice for that. Like, they would contact like the police. Like someone murdered someone in a, yeah. dor- in a dorm room. They're not going to be mm-hmm. like, well, we'll take mm-hmm. it up with the student conduct committee. It's like, yeah, you're right. You would probably call the police. That's the thing. Sexual assault is is more complicated in that way. The way it gets reported or not reported. It, that sucks. But it, it does have more to do with the person who experienced that assault, what they want to do legally. That's, that's kind of where the difference is. Mm-hmm. And depending on what kind of circumstances the police might file on their behalf but if they don't want to pursue it it's not going to get pursued especially when everybody in the legal world knows it's probably not going to end up getting prosecuted anyway so they're not going to constantly pursue these cases Mm -hmm. oh and that's probably why she didn't that's probably why she didn't file the police report anyway because it was like well the da is not going to prosecute yeah Yeah. and the police aren't going to go out of their way to make more work for themselves when Mm -hmm. they also know that but if she wanted to then they would have you know done their job i'm sure but she didn't want to, so nobody else is going to go take up that mantle and be like, yes, this is happening. Yeah. You could probably still file a report, but it's just nothing would come yeah. up out of it. Yeah, I mean, I guess when I came away from this, all the different times I've watched it, I think my assumption was that if he wasn't expelled, maybe he was going to get pulled out because it was like, my dad wanted me home. Like, I just have a feeling he's going to go back to Minnesota and not going to really come back to school. We don't really hear what else happens, but... Mm-hmm. um. To me, at least, there's some accountability. Like, he doesn't just get to stay there or like, oh, I apologize to her. Okay, everyone go back with their lives. So I think I was mostly satisfied. Um, Like I said, I don't think it's realistic. But as a viewer of the show, yeah, I think it was a satisfying ending. Mostly. Mostly. (laughs) Well, a hay counter seems a little frivolous for this kind of an episode, but there were 11 hays. (laughs) There are some heavy conversations, but also some fights where people just get right into it. They don't hay each other. And also, I just, like, let out a deep breath. We got through the last three episodes together. Next week, 
Yeah. It's Thanksgiving. This <laughs> is one, one of my all-time favorite top episodes of the whole series. It is good. It's so freaking good. And not just because I'm Team Noel. There's, it's just, I feel like I'm going to have so many notes. So get be prepared for like a two-hour episode <laughs> next week. Okay. <laughs> I'll make sure to have some coffee in my Dina DeLuca mug next time. I always forget to bring my <laughs> mug to the show. Because I'm like, don't drink coffee this late, you know, recording this late. Um, but I should bring my mug and just put water in it, honestly. The mugs are so cute, the mugs I got. Well, speaking of mugs, for our listeners, if anyone wants a Felicity Was Here mug, we've got a little a little shop on Redbubble where you can get all kinds of merch for the podcast. We've got some t-shirts, we've got dad caps, we've got stickers, <laughs> we've got pet bandanas, like, it, you know bath mat like whatever you want you can throw our logo on it <laughs> but check out red bubble i hope you like yellow <laughs> but yeah and the holidays are coming up black friday is going to be soon i'm sure red bubble probably does some kind of discount they've got sales all the time yeah they're constantly yeah. having so sales and discounts if if you've got a felicity fan in your life it'd make a great gift head to red bubble check out our shop um, it's in our link tree on all of our socials and also, we just wanted to give a quick shout out to Barbados because we're what eight eight episodes in, and we are already the number thirty five podcast yes. in Barbados. We love baby. you, Barbados. <laughs> Thank you for your support. I have never been, but now it is high up on my bucket list to go to happen. Barbados. But in all in all seriousness, though, like thank you to everyone who's been listening. We've already gotten some amazing reviews and comments on social and on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. <laughs> it just kind of shocks all of us that this little thing that was just kind of a fun passion project is reaching strangers out in the world. Like Barbados, Philippines, Italy. Like it's just crazy when we see some of the statistics on, on our podcast and who it's reaching. I honestly thought it would be like me listening to myself mm -hmm. and maybe my mom and sister. Yeah. Um, so That's it's just so exciting. It's really, really nice. Yeah, it's nice to see that it's connecting with folks and that there are some other millennials out there that appreciate the show like we do. And I bet they're all Ben fans, too. They just know it. Oh, oh please. <laughs> Especially in Barbados. Well, they should write in and let us know. Please write in. Are you Team Ben or Team Noel? We need to hear from Our you. Our Spotify <laughs> listeners are Team Noel because we definitely had a spike in listens for the Boggled episode. So. Mm -hmm. We'll have to check out that theory. And we had a poll, and we had we had more Team Noel fans on our poll on Spotify. So oh, really? Definitely okay, check we, out. We gotta check check out, out our socials. Go to Spotify. Go to Apple. Rate us. Review us. We so appreciate it. DM us on Instagram, on TikTok. We will read all of it. Send us an email. We do the whole spiel at the end here, but we we love hearing from you all. It makes us feel very very special. So thank you everyone, and we will come back for Thanksgiving next week. Right. See you next week. See you next time. Bye. Felicity Was Here is produced, written, and edited by Heather, Melissa, and Dr. Joe. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Felicity Was Here Pod. If you're enjoying the pod, please leave us a review and help us spread the word. We appreciate you and would love to hear from Felicity superfans like us. So send us your feedback, ask us your burning questions, or just say hey at felicitywashearpod at gmail.com. We may even read your note in a future episode. Talk to you all next week. <laughs>